Thank you for tuning in to listen to this sermon from the Ville Church. To find out more about us and our weekly scheduled services, please visit theville.church. So what we want to kind of talk about is what is this Christian cultural person versus an actual disciple of Jesus Christ? Uh, So each week we kind of take a different angle of it. Um, Today we're going to be talking about normal versus different. All right, normal versus different. Do y'all know some people that are um, different? Y'all know some different people? I'm talking about different in the best way possible, obviously. Uh, like you don't know anyone else like them. Not, not, not necessarily weird or strange, but just different, right? Just different. I want you to think of that person, that person in your life that is just different. You, you can't put them in a, in a box. You're just like, man, they're different in the best way possible. So I want you to think of that person. Y'all got it? All right, now I'm going to give you 30 seconds to tell your neighbor why that person is so different to you. What characteristics, what qualities do they have that make them different? All right, go, 30 seconds. Ten seconds. All right, time. Now, let me ask. This is, this is participation. Tell me some characteristics, some qualities that make these people different. Anything. What was that? Maturity, okay. Persistence, nice word. Not approachable. Okay. What'd you say? Fit in everywhere. All right. Like a gecko. Chameleon. Anything else? Independent? I-N-D, no. Um... All right, so in my humble opinion, all right, this is my humble opinion. The most unnormal, different thing that anyone can do is this. You ready? Trust Jesus. Now, I know what you're thinking. This is church. I'm a pastor. And you're like, yeah, this is Christian answer. Great job. But it's true. I honestly can't think of anything someone can do that is more different than actually, truly believing the gospel of Jesus Christ. The the truth about God, the truth about ourselves, the universe, the identity of who Jesus claimed to be, the implications of what God has done throughout history and what he's going to do in the future. I cannot think of anything that can make you more different than that. And so my biggest point today is this. I'm just going to tell you up front. If you actually trust Jesus, everything will be different. If you actually trust Jesus everything will be different. And I say actually trust because I'm starting to think words don't mean much anymore. 
words don't mean much anymore. Um, many people say they trust Jesus, but functionally that makes very little difference in their lives. Nothing actually changes. And, and we, as a society, we get, Christians get wrapped up into this because we, we do not say what we actually mean. We don't say what we actually mean. So we, we like to talk to talk. And I know like Jay preached about this last week between the peace talkers and then actually peacemakers. But we hardly follow through on it normally. And I'll, I'll give you an example. Y'all remember when the Jaguars were in London and what happened? The whole team kneeled. And y'all remember how many people vowed, vowed that they would never watch or support the Jaguars again. Y'all remember that? on social media, everywhere. Like, I'm never watching the game again. I'm selling my season tickets. I'll never support them. Well, then they started winning, right? And these same people keep flipping through the channels during the game, kind of going by the game, kind of same people will be at a friend's house poking in the room, seeing them watch the game. Same people accidentally go to the restaurant playing the game. So it's, it's interesting. And now today, everyone's excited about the game. I can't find one person that's not excited about the game. So what people actually meant to say, oh, one person? Two? Two people. If you round up, that's everybody. So um, what people actually meant to say back then is, you know what? I want to take a stand for something, and I'm going to pick something easy because I don't want to watch this sorry team anyway. But they're not sorry anymore, so people are prioritizing winning over whatever they felt about the whole kneeling thing. So they really didn't mean what they said, right? We say things that we don't really mean. Um, this morning, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, but you are living undistinguishable to everyone else in this world, then you need to understand what you're really saying is this. I think following Jesus is a good thing, but just not for me. I actually follow things I deem better than Jesus. That's what you're actually saying. And it's, it's vitally important that all of us be honest with ourselves this morning about where you are with God. One of the biggest tragedies that I can possibly think about is that there are people in the church who will not be in heaven. I mean, think about that. They are so close, yet they are so far. And these Christians think, act, and live in a way that they do not actively believe God and take him at his word, the Bible. If you actually trust Jesus, then you will be different. Why? Because you will follow him in his ways. Jesus said this, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. Um, as those who claim to love Jesus, any Christian would say this, right? We're called to obey. We're called to obey. And I want to stop right there. I want to stop right there. Take it back one. There is something, so we get in this like really weird zone right now because I said, it's very clear. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll follow my commands. You'll keep my commands. If you claim to love Jesus, you're called to obey. And then are, are there people in here in your mind where you say, yes, but, you're coming with yes, but, you want to say something else, right? Because 
I see we sugarcoating this truth a lot, that we don't actually put this at the forefront of who we are as Christians. Um, the truth is God calls us to be holy, and he, he calls us to pursue holiness. The whole idea of holiness is being set apart to pursue something different. God is saying that we're to function by a different set of rules. His rules, not our rules. His commands, not this world's commands. His people are to be different from everybody else, right? You shall not do as they do. Do not be like them. God is calling us to something different than this world. And Peter sums this up perfectly by saying this, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the re revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which, you were, which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Because it's written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. You shall be set apart as I am set apart. And, and I think this is our problem. I was kind of, I've been trying to think about this a lot. Um, whenever we talk about something like this, we all get a little nervous. We are so careful, so careful not to be called legalists. Am I right? We're so careful not to be called legalists that we actually reject being obedient altogether. We're so careful, we don't want to be labeled this, that we actually don't obey. Um, it's weird because we, come, we become legalists about not being legalists. It's like, what is happening? We become legalists about not being legalists. We try with all of our effort not to be a legalist, which makes us a legalist. So what happens is we become content with being exactly like the world, with the only difference being our claim for God's grace on us. That's, that's it. But here, here's the truth I want you to hear this morning. God saved us from our works, but God also saved us for his good works. And it's, it's really important because we, as Christians, a lot. God is love, the grace of God. We hear that first part a lot. God saved us from our works when we couldn't save ourselves. But this is really good news that he also saved us for a purpose, that there's purpose in all of our lives. He saved us for his good works. He did not save us to just exist and then kind of figure it out as we go, stumbling along. No, he loves us a lot more than that. He, he saved us for a purpose. So God saved his people to be set apart to do his will and obey his loving command. And now here's the problem. We like all the examples before us in the Bible, Israel, keep wanting to be like everybody else. That's, that's our heart. We, we want to be just like the world and be just as, do as the world does, basically. We don't like standing out under God. We, we don't want to be different. And here's an important point. We all have a choice, right? We all have a choice that we can make. We can keep going like we're going, or we can repent. Now, repentance, uh, the Greek word, it means a complete change of mind. Repentance is a complete change of your mind. People who truly repent 
those who are exposed by God and convicted by God have the opportunity to respond internally to God. We, we have a choice we can make. So when we see the errors of our ways, that we're not actually obedient to the truth of the universe, the, the, re, the actual reality, the heavenly reality, that we have a choice we can make. And we can decide to change our mind and follow God internally, which actually transforms us externally. So if you repent and desire the truth of God's grace for you in the scriptures, you undergo this thing that the Bible calls sanctification. Have y'all heard that word? Sanctification, which simply means separated. Sanctification means separate. When we choose to walk with God, God takes the reins and patiently, frequently, and unwaveringly loves us and molds us into his image as we allow him to do. And so something I've been thinking about a lot this week is, is, this, is this notion. It's like belief and action go hand in hand. Belief and action go hand in hand. Um, a lot of us think you choose to believe and then, and then you choose whether you're going to act or not. Like I believe, so now I'm going to choose to act or not. So sometimes when we're in temptation or sometimes when things are hard, we're choosing. We're like, okay, yes, I know I believe, so I'm going to choose either to do good or bad. And this is where this gets kind of fuzzy because what's happening is you're choosing, I'm choosing, we're deciding what our work should be, whether it's good enough or not, whether it's okay to actually this time do this. We're in charge of that, right? But what I find out is I'm in control and I'm not inviting God into that decision. I just know I have believed and now I'm on my own and I have to figure out what's good or bad. And so what I want to tell us this morning is, when you're tempted, when things are going really hard, instead of asking ourselves, what should we do? We should ask ourselves, what do we believe? Because whatever you actually believe, the action follows. Th that's the difference. So when you say, man, I really want to do this, instead of saying, well, should I do it or not do it? That's works righteousness. What you should say is, what am I believing? Who am I believing? What? Because if it's not God, then I'm on my own, and we all know when we're on our own, it's over. We're sitting ducks. The, the devil is a crouching lion waiting for us to make decisions by ourselves. But if we're in that moment and we say, what am I believing? And then you give the opportunity to invite God back into it, like, God, who are you? Who am I? What? And when that happens, God is actually your power to sustain you to action, which you aren't actually choosing. Does that make sense? I think it's really important. It's been really helpful for me this week, specifically. There's been certain times instead of saying, oh, I shouldn't do that. I should do this. When I get in that moment, I think, God, what am I actually believing here? Where are you? What, where am I? How, how have I drifted from you? Remind me of your truth. And that truth internally transforms me externally. All right, so I'm going to say it again. How we live our lives reflect what we actually believe about God. So that said, I know that this morning, all of us are coming in here from different places, right? Some of us are bored with Christianity. We're distracted from God. Some of us are deeply hurting and wounded and broken, like crying out for something. And some of us are actually in a great place with God, that 
we're thriving and we're feeling the sonship of being his children. But no matter where you're coming from, what you've been through, or what you've even done, the truth about God demands the same response. Grateful obedience. When we hear the truth about who God is and what he's done, we have one response. Grateful obedience. The more we discover who God is and what he's done for us, the more we become overwhelmed by his grace towards us, his enemies, by his pursuit of us, the rebels, his comfort that he promises his children, the radical nature of Jesus, the the gift he gives us of his spirit indwelling in us presently. How could we not be grateful? There's so much to be grateful for because we didn't earn or do any of that. He just offers it to us. So we cannot help but be grateful. So we're grateful. And then we look at the biblical word for obey. It it means to listen attentively. So obey, we think think do, right? We think obey. Okay, this is what you do. You obey. But obey actually means listen attentively, which actually comes back to my point. It's not about doing right or wrong. It's about who you're believing, what you're listening to. Because whatever you're listening to is actually going to transform what you're doing. And as humans, we're always actually listening attentively to something. Because that's who we were created to be. We were created to be followers, listeners. And I know that goes against some of our worldviews. Like, I'm a leader. I do me. I don't follow anybody. Well, you're wrong. Because we're all humans. And God created all of us to follow him. That's the truth. So the question is, who are we listening attentively to? My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. And they follow me. As a sinner saved by grace, right, and the grace and mercy of God himself, grateful obedience is our only response. After being saved, our lives basically are lived in a way of saying thank you. Like Phil was saying this morning, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Yeah, we can declare our gratitude to God, but our lives basically reflect one big thank you, a giving back to him everything. So how do we say thank you with our lives? That's, that's kind of the question, okay? We're talking generalities, but like how do you, Jeremy, how do you actually say thank you to God for what he's done for me? By obeying Jesus' commands. Listen and follow his voice. So the next logical question is, what are Jesus' commands, right? How do we show our gratitude? How do we, what do we listen to attentively to what Jesus is saying? Okay, well today, quickly, I want to discuss the two that sum up all of the commands, right? The greatest commandment and the other one kind of known as the golden rule. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself, All the law, all the prophets, all the Old Testament, everything before this that God has revealed about himself and who he is hang on these two commandments. Now, the second one can be summed up uh, in something that Christians call the golden rule. I think a while back there was someone in um, some Roman person who took this and just put it on his gold-plated wall 
in his, I don't, they didn't live in castles, whatever they lived in. So they call this the golden rule. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. I think a lot of times when we hear these two things, right, we kind of just glaze over them. Like, okay, cool. But we don't really take into effect what it's actually saying. I'm just going to stick on this one for a second. Do unto others what you would have them do to you. Who actually does that? Who actually literally gives more of themselves to others than they actually give to themselves? See, these two commandments, when they're combined, are completely different than the commandments anywhere else we find in, any, in, in the whole world. But the important thing, combined. Because a lot of religions and social worldviews will say similar things to this golden rule. Because this is just a, a great ethical, this is how you should live your life, right? The problem is, humans, in and of ourselves, can't do that. We can't fulfill this golden rule because we love ourselves more than other people. That's the problem of humanity. We don't actually care for others, not even more than ourselves, but even equal to ourselves. I mean, do you guys, anytime you buy a meal, take that money, whatever you spent, and spend the exact same amount of money on someone else to buy them a meal? No. No one does that. So we're inherently selfish. This is what sin has done in the world. We're inherently selfish, self-focused, and self-serving. But the difference in Christianity is that we obey out of gratitude, right? The first and great command for what God has done for us, while everyone else serves to get something in return, whether it be karma, heaven, whatever, they're, they're doing stuff because they want something in return. They're not actually giving of themselves. But as Christians, if we know that God's done everything for us and already secured everything for us in Christ, then we can serve out of gratitude expecting nothing in return. And that's the biggest difference between Christianity and any other religion and worldview. So this morning, I want to meditate on why when we know the truth, it's easy to love God. Like that first commandment, love God with all your mind, your heart, your soul. Why, it's actually easy to love God when we know the truth. Um, and people kind of take that first commandment and they kind of break it down into three sections and get real specific in it. But my interpretation of it is loving God with everything you are and everything you have. Giving God everything you are and everything you have. Will you love God in that way? Um, but when we actually know the truth, we can do that. What is God's truth? What's the gospel truth? If Jesus was God made visible, right? If Jesus was God made visible, we can look at him and we can actually find out who God is, what God cares about, and how different God functions from the rest of the world. So in what ways is Jesus different? Well, first of all, the way he came into existence was different than all the Jews expected that the Messiah would come. Because they were thinking, we need a Messiah. We, we are desperate. It's been 400 years. We're just waiting and waiting and waiting. And then the Messiah comes and they're like, well, he's going to come through dominance and overpowering our enemies and putting them in their place. 
But Jesus was so different from what they were expecting and what they thought they needed. The Jews actually killed him. That's how different Jesus was. He was killed because he was so different than what they were expecting he'd be. Jesus' dominance was over sin and death itself. And his power was love. It wasn't domineering. It was including and inviting. Jesus' whole plan the whole time was to reveal his love, mercy, and grace. The same love, mercy, and grace of the God of the universe, the creator and sustainer of all things, while being made into a righteous sacrifice for the sins of the world to bring us back into relationship and harmony with our creator. And to do this, Jesus had to be completely different than any other human that's ever existed. I'm just going to name a few things I was thinking about how Jesus is different. Jesus is different because he actually loved and pursued his enemies. Who can say that? The ones you don't like, the ones you, you hate, the ones you fear. That Jesus not only loved them, but pursued his enemies. Jesus is different because he experienced all the normal temptations and experiences of humanity, and yet perfectly obeyed the will of the Father in heaven. He never sinned. He never, won, never once turned away from God. He was always in community and commune with God. Jesus is different because he loves the world so much that he's willing to sacrifice everything, everything of himself, everything of his time, his effort, his being, for our benefit, expecting nothing in return. Jesus is different because he knows all of us intimately, right? He knows every hair on our head, which is a funny way to put that, but Imagine knowing every hair, where it is, on your head, how long it is, what shape it is, if the ends are split, you know, right? He knows all of it. He knows every sin we ever committed, every single one in our heart, externally, whatever. He knows every single one, and he he knows every thought that we have. There's nothing unknown about us to Jesus. And, And Jesus is different because he knows every single thing about us, and he still wants to be our friend, He still wants to be our teacher, and he still wants to be our king. I mean, how insane is that? Jesus is different because no one has ever had the power over death itself. No one, no human has ever had power over death, except for Jesus. Jesus is different because there is nothing and no one higher, more esteemed or more glorified in the entire universe than Jesus. When he ascended, he is sitting at the right hand of the Father in the whole universe as his footstool. He's over all things. No one's higher. No one's more glorified. And no one's more esteemed. Jesus is different because he, and he alone, can offer forgiveness of sins, truly, eternal new life, fully, and reconciliation as beloved children, of the Father God completely. There is no one like Jesus. And those who actually follow him in his truth will be different than this world. They cannot not be different. The world says, do you. God says, follow me. The world says, live it up. You only have one life. Jesus says, be crucified with me. Be dead to this temporary world and come alive for the eternal one. They're always butting heads. You cannot not be different if you follow truly Jesus. And as we discover who God really is, we have to fall on our knees and we worship him because we are so undeserving of his mercy, grace, and love towards us. 
And we, we follow Jesus and his commands, and we become different. So what does it practically look like to follow Jesus and his commands, right? What does it practically look like? There's, there's so much freedom here, and this is the beautiful part of it. Does anyone in here like art? Like, how do you, how do you judge what art is better? They're all full expressions of a, of a medium, right? And all of it can be beautiful. So what we have is God provides the framework with these two commandments. And he gets more specific in the Bible, but today we're going to stick with these two. So he provides the framework, and, and we get to plug in the details of that framework. So I'm going to name a few that I see here at this church. And I'm going to entitle it, It's Not Normal to, and then fill in the blank. All right. It's not normal to be a 20-something single girl who loves and serves the homeless. And that happens in this church a lot. It's not normal to leave and reject the homosexual lifestyle and community. That's not normal. It's not normal to downgrade your house and live a more humble life in an area of need. In this world, not normal. It's not normal to be super excited, like super excited to serve any way you can. And I'm going to give a shout out to Charles, Holden, Mark, and Nikki because they are always fully on board, ready to go, wanting to serve. It's not out of obligation. It's not like, okay, I'll do my time. They are just pumped to be able to even get to serve. It's not normal to be a part of a church that doesn't have many people like you there. People go to church with people like them. That's normal. Country clubs are normal. Different communities that are homogenous are normal. But to go to a place to worship the God of the universe with so many different people, classes, races, I mean, that is not normal. And we all know that in Jacksonville. It's not normal to reject a higher paying, more comfortable job or opportunity to continue to help and serve the rejected and oppressed in our community. I know there's people in here that continue to work in areas of the city because they believe what's more important is actually to serve the people in need and not serve themselves. That's not normal. It's not normal to remain in a committed relationship or remain committed in a relationship when it's way easier to let it go. And it's, it's not normal to seek forgiveness and resolution in an irreparable relationship. That's not normal. When it's hard, it's, it's normal to leave. When it's finished, it's normal to leave. But to continue seeking it out, that, that's a little like Jesus. It's not normal to see parents asking forgiveness from their kids. And I've seen that a lot at this church, which if you asked me when I was a kid, I never, ever saw that, ever. In fact, I think I probably took the first step to becoming a Christian because someone's dad, who was a Christian when I was in high school, he, um, he talked to me like a regular person and not like, hey, get a haircut, get a job, you slob, which that's a fair statement to me in high school. But it was very strange that he actually cared about me about it as a human being and talked to me on a level that he wasn't lording over me that he uplifted me and esteemed me as a young man. I thought that was like the strangest thing. And there's not many stranger things. 
Netflix reference. Um, it's not normal to spend your downtime seeking God rather than entertaining yourself. The normal thing to do in our society is just to entertain yourself. When you have free time, you entertain yourself. You get comfortable. You don't think about stuff. But it's not normal when you have downtime to actually seek God out. That, that means you're doing something different because you're probably following something different. It's not normal to reject certain movies, books, or shows because they're not renewing your mind. To actually take a stance that not everything, I mean, everything's permissible, but not everything's useful. And actually apply that and not just live in generalities. It's not normal to take a stand knowing there's going to be a huge backlash. To stand on a truth knowing that it's going to cost you something. And normal, who, who actually wants to be normal? Because normal in our present state in this world lead to the same things. Rejection, shame, oppression, wars, disease, death, destruction. That, unfortunately, is our normal for this world. A fallen world, a sinful world. No one in his or her right mind wants to be that normal. We need something different. We desperately want something different. So wanting that difference is a great thing. It's a really good thing. But the thing is, there's only one place to truly find something different. There is one place. Everything else is the same. And it's in Jesus Christ. And it's the resurrected and glorified one. And if we go all in, dive headfirst into trusting Jesus for our salvation, like we're called to do, we will be different, not because we're trying to be, but because we actually will want to be. Not because we feel like we should be different, but because we actually want to be different. We won't be able to help being different. We will be a light in the darkness. We will be the salt of the earth. We will have joy in suffering. We will seek justice for the voiceless. We'll have an identity and meaning and value in our thoughts, actions, and decisions that confound and confuse this world. We will worship the invisible God made visible in Jesus through the power of his spirit, fully alive and perfectly content to obey our God as his people under his gracious rule. That is what different actually is. And this week I heard someone say this. They said, what if we spoke in a way reflecting that the truth of any conversation we had could actually be our last? What would we say? Because the idea is we could literally die at any time. Whatever my stomach thing is, I could fall over dead right now. I thought I was going to die when I walked out of my house at 6.30 this morning in the frozen tundra of Jacksonville. <laughs> I survived. I survived. But I've been thinking about that. Like we just talk and talk but we don't actually think about it in eternity and the, and the idea that we're going to die. We will die one day. And this conversation, the one that you have after church, could be your last. You could get in a car wreck. I mean, that's just the truth. So time is of the essence. And if I had the opportunity to tell you guys anything right now for this sermon, it's this. Please do not settle. Seek God out. Discover for yourself that God is actually alive. Jesus is alive. And that the Spirit is present with you and with me. Especially if you're Christians. That he's, he's, he's waiting for us. Repent. Change your mind. Follow the way and the truth. Jesus, out of sheer gratefulness for what he's done. 
if you're not, if you're not thankful for God, then you're not understanding. If you're not thankful for Jesus, you're not understanding something about the good news. Because the more you contemplate, the more you dive in, the deeper you search, the more grateful you become. And when you be kind of become, eh, whatever, you're actually not understanding something. You're not understanding something. There's nothing wrong with God. You're not understanding something. And God offers us a way better way to live life. This life and the next life. So don't play around with it. Eternity is actually at stake. It's not a game. God is calling all of us to be something different. Obey, listen attentively, and he will guide you in me. Let's pray. We're glad you took the time out today to listen to this sermon, and we pray that your life has been changed and that you were blessed by our Lord Jesus the Christ. To hear this sermon again or to listen to any of our other sermons, please remember to visit theville.church.